Hello and welcome to Diane Lake's podcast, Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. Our show teaches you how you can understand and apply the prophetic through practical terms, practical ways, and practical means that will make it relevant to everyday life so you can prepare the way for the Lord's purpose to manifest in the earth. Welcome to the first Friday morning session of the Prophetic Impact Tour, which was held April 26th through 29th, 2023 in Missoula, Montana. In this episode, you'll hear from Alan and Diane Lake, co-founders of Starfire Ministries. Alan will share some more testimony and the importance of passing the baton. And Diane brings the conclusion of her message titled, Get Ready, The King of Glory is Riding In, Part 2. Listen and receive a word for Montana and for the nation. Let's get started. So this morning, um, you know, you think you have a message all put together. And then the Holy Spirit sometimes comes in and goes, we're going to switch things up. So this may not be real polished. I'm not really a polished kind of guy anyway. So here we go. Oh, wait a second. Everybody stretch your hands out right now. I'm sorry. I, I just want to step in here. Sometimes what we say out of our mouths is, uh, well, most of the time it's what we get. This is a polished man. He's a stone polished from heaven. But we need to stretch out our hands right now and thank God for the divine release. If what was prophesied over him yesterday is to come to pass, it needs to be long from heaven. And so we just bless you now, right now. Thank you. We bless the lakes. Look, there's a prophecy about the lakes. What? And now they're speaking. Come on. Jesus, right now, we release everything you want to have released in this house through this couple right now. And we bless your holy polishing now. In Jesus' name, there is nothing out of joint, nothing out of order because you are putting everything into place. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had a second showing on our house. We had a sale fail the deal of closing. And I just got a, a text from our realtor. They're considering putting in an offer, so you know, I'll know how to pray. So, yeah. That's not off the press. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> So, so we've moved, as you guys have known, we've moved to Helena. We had boxes everywhere. We've got most of the boxes taken care of in the house, but we have a series of boxes. We call it the, in the bunkhouse basement area. We've stacked up nice and neat. We, about every, every five or six days, we come back to Missoula, get another load, come back. So uh, 10 days or so, we, we came back. I went into the basement area and where all the boxes are, it, it had been locked up and it looked like a mini earthquake had happened. Some of the boxes were thrown through the, the drywall, were busted on the floor. There was a giant hole in the yeah. drop. Interesting, yeah, interestingly enough, it was a box um, I'm kind of a pickle addict. <laughs> I have great big jars of pickles, and we had to move them. I didn't know we were going to move. Like, you know, we thought I was going to be in the Zula forever. 
And it's not good that my oldest son and daughter-in-law helped us bubble wrap all these pickles, so they don't break, right? So they're in these book-sized boxes. So there's like about a five or six, uh, like a, it's an aisle. So there, the pickles are up here, sheet rocks over here, and something chucked that box of pickles through the sheet rock. So there's about a six inch at least diameter hole in the sheet rock. The, I was complimenting my son and daughter-in-law. Pickles didn't break. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you start the story and then turn it over. Well, uh, what I said was, I do believe we've stirred up a hornet's nest, and the Lord really, really confirmed that to us. So, lo and behold, we've already made an offer on this house and or the ranch, and I don't know if we've closed or not. No, we haven't closed yet. But our family is avid, avid hunters, and our oldest always comes over from uh, Bremerton, Washington, to hunt uh, for weeks. Any of them do. They're, they're all associated with the military. A couple of them can get out after 10 years. But anyway, if they can, they come home to hunt. So now we got new hunting grounds. we got to research all the hunting grounds over there. And uh, my son had been home in February to help us box some things. And he said, Mom, you need to see this. And he texted me a link. And now I knew there's Masonic roots in Helena. Obviously, we've been to the Grand Lodge a number of times and all that. Just so it turned out that we are 5.8 miles at the ranch house from the first Masonic Lodge meeting held in 1860, on, about 1863, on Mullen Pass, three Masonic brothers kind of discovered each other on an expedition over to find gold. It was a gold city, of course. And they still hold an annual meeting up there in commemoration annually in the summer. You can't get there right now because there's too much snow. But all that to say, we moved into their territory and they know it. And we bring the presence of the kingdom and we're going to reclaim it. We've got some things we're going to do. We're going to get up there. We're going to do some things. But I'll tell you what, I'm just going to admit it. We knew what to do. We just started to pray. And I, uh, well, declare, I'm like, there's a new sheriff in town. And we get out because we are his deputies and we walk in his authority. So the thing is, I'm going to be brief, though, is that this, um, these three Masonics, and especially the leader who, got, who, you know, he became the Grand Poopah or something at that point, right? So they move on to Bannock, another gold town uh, in the Dillon area. But there's a problem with lawlessness. So what did the Masonics do? They formed a vigilante band and they became the law of the land. And so they are credited with like bringing law and order to Montana. Do you understand the significance? So we come in and now we're living 5.8 miles from there. And we're like, there's a new sheriff in town. And you're out. It's Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think the story is not just about us, about our, our ranch. It's about what we can do. We, as believers in Jesus Christ, when things like this happen, with demons, with whatever, they had a little temper tantrum. So what do we do? We say, in the name of Jesus, there is a new sheriff. His name is Jesus. We are the deputies, and you have to go because we are his ambassadors. We have the authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is a powerful word and they have to flee. So this is just an example for you guys because these days are getting tougher. It's not going to be easy. What did, what did Bishop talk about last night? 
These are not easy days. It's like Gail said, the contrast between the dark and the light. I mean, we, we need to, we need to tremble when we come, right? Okay, that, I'm going to be brief. The Lord gave me a, a, a quick message from Hebrews. Hebrews 11 and 12. Let me just read a little bit. Starting Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. You know, in Hebrews 11, as you guys know, they're talking about the ones who've gone before, the, wit the, the cloud of witnesses. Abel. Enoch. Noah. Abraham. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. They had been thinking of the country they had left. They would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. For the sake of time, I'm going to go to Hebrews 11, verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that they, only together with us, with us, would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race the race marked out for, for us. So it's interesting to me that the cloud of witnesses what's a witness? A witness is one who's watching. Could it be the cloud of witnesses is watching us? Could it be? Maybe so. We don't know what's going on in heaven. We don't know if they can look down. But if they're a witness, it sure sounds like it. In a way, they were kind of time soldiers. Sure, they had their battles. They had, but they were looking to that end. Is it possible that we, you know, Bishop talked about a few things that needed to happen before Jesus comes back. Very interesting things. Things that I want to do a little more research on. But is it possible we are in the, I'm going to use a football analogy here, is it possible we are in the fourth quarter at the two-minute warning? You know, is it possible? And these guys, the witnesses, were waiting for that time. They couldn't fulfill all their promises, all that they had, 
without us? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's kind of what it's saying here. Interestingly, okay, so before I get into to the relay, I want to talk about so many, sadly, I believe, are waiting. We're sitting around waiting for the rapture to happen. Is that what God wants us to do? Hey, we got a job. We've got a job. Interesting, we were talking about Kingsley and Ben. He came over from, and we met him in Helena and we spent some time with him. I did not know that Kingsley was a, a college track athlete. And he's, he's been in, in relays, and we were talking about relays. Diane and I were track athletes also. And he mentioned that he had been in, in, in high school in medley relays. What's a medley relay? A medley relay is when you have different, if it's a, a mile medley, maybe somebody does. 100-yard dash, and then a 200-yard dash, maybe then a half mile to finish it off. So it made me think of, we may be in a, a relay with the cloud of witnesses. It's kind of what it talks about, doesn't it? What I just read. Wouldn't it be cool if we were in, in our relay, we have Abraham, we have Enoch, but they can't finish it. We're the, we're the anchor leg. What's the anchor leg? That's the last one. Just in the car today, coming here, what's that anchor leg got to be? That anchor leg's got to be the one that's got the grit, the determination, the faith to finish strong if he's, if he's ahead. If he's behind, he's got to pass that. Next one. That one. He's got to pass them up. So I just want to encourage you guys. What if, I mean, we can't see what's all going on, but what if we're in a relay with these cool dudes in the Old Testament? That just spurs me on. That gets me pumped up. There you go. There you go. So this all ties in with what Bishop is talking about, what, what he's going to talk about tonight. Now I don't want to take up a lot of time, but what is what is God calling you to do? You know, what out of the box thing is God calling you to do? You know, just the other night, Vance prophesied to me that I may be in politics in the state of Montana or further. So what's what's my first thought is politics. But you know, it made me think when I was on school boards and, and different jobs that the Lord has given me to do, people would ask me, how do you study that school board stuff? People can't stand you. You make you you make a, a Yeah, you make enemies. It's not it's not a pretty job. But you know, I enjoyed it. There was a grace upon it that God gave me that I, I really enjoyed it. So do you think God is going to, if God calls me to, to be in politics, that I'm going to hate it the whole time? No. Nope. 
that I'm going to despise it? No, no, no. He doesn't do that. If he's going to give you a job to do, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. It's true. It's true. So don't, you know, I, I, when, when, we're, when we're searching for what God wants us to do in these last days, don't be worried about it. My sister and I, we have a brother who was called to be a foreign missionary. I've heard so many people say, do anything, God, but don't call me to be a foreign missionary. And he was out in the jungles. But he loved it. For decades, he, 15, 20 years, he loved it. Until God called him off. The grace was gone, just like when I was on school boards. Grace was gone. Grace was off of it. I knew my job was done. So anyway, I just want to encourage you guys. I just want to confirm what Al was saying. Uh, last Sunday I was in a, another church. It was a, one of our regional leaders. Um, her name's Ethel Peel. And her husband passed away a few years ago. And while I was there uh, during the worship service, I saw a vision and it was of a relay, relay race. Uh, and what I saw in this vision was that I saw her husband running. Of course, we don't communicate with the dead, but this is a, just a vision of him running uh, and was entering into the transition zone where the baton is handed off. And that uh, it was important for her uh, to start the running and the pace because you only have a certain amount of time to make the transition of the baton, right? Uh, and so the other thing that happened was that they became like fire, like if you know, any of your kids play video games that they are doing really well, it's like the players become on fire uh, and they're super kind of. And so I saw that, it was like that. It was like that, that supernatural empowerment uh, for her, in this case it was her, to enter into this transition zone to run and to take the baton and then she would be fulfilling the rest of that. And so this cloud of witnesses now Sunday, I see us right there. We're in those transitions of running, and then we're gonna take that baton and finish. Don't you love it when the Holy Spirit is just in control? You know, I used to uh, co-pastor with a lady named Karen. We all hear me talk about from time to time as a dear friend and mentor ushering in props and changing scenes and whatever Holy Spirit wants to do and that is so fully so speaking of you just handed me the baton one day <laughs> and confirmed to me that I needed to start with something a little different than what I intended and I said to him this morning when I grabbed a few minutes I said this is a little different but I'm going to go into something interesting that you're planning on as a start so it's about your spiritual gifting and how it should bring you life. Because it's like, how do you know you're supposed to be doing something? Well, you know, it's not like everything we do is fun and roses, and we have to serve sometimes in places that we might not choose to. But I'm hearing a theme here um, in the conference. I had somebody approach me directly. I've had other people 
people say it in different ways. I don't really know what my spiritual gift is, and how do I know? And of course, if you have a, a good and fully equipped pastor like Pastor Robert, he's, he's fully equipped to teach you about your spiritual gifts. Not everybody has that. And how can you take your place in the army of the Lord? You mentioned Joel too in the intercession and you know the pre-service worship, and, and uh, we want to march in our columns and stay in, in formation and do what we're supposed to be doing to fulfill the purposes of God. But if you don't know what you're called to do. So I really felt prompted by the Lord to tell you, to uh, if you really need a synopsis of spiritual gifts, I'm talking about, this might be 1,500 words, a spiritual gifts 101, to just get you pointed in the right direction. I wrote an article in October of 2015 called The Life-Giving Expression of Spiritual Gifts. Okay, so go to our website, www.starfireministries.org. We've got a search bar, you can easily find that. One of the things that the Lord has me do, and especially in the earlier years, like 14, 15, 16, there's a whole string of synopsis articles. You want to know about the spiritual gifts? Do you want to know about how to speak in tongues? Do you want to know about the, uh, the gift of discernment? You can find some things like that to get you started. So just in case that's something that you want to look at. So what I talked about in that article as I opened up, I'm going to build on my testimony from yesterday just a little bit. You know, you heard that I was very impressed. I don't, I don't need to split hairs. Was I possessed? Was I depressed? Was I suppressed? I don't know, but I was pressed. You know? I was oppressed, okay? I'm not in a good spot. I have three kids. I'm barely managing. I'm not just feeling like a failure because my daughter and I, I can't figure out what's wrong. I'm also dealing with big loads of shame and guilt because, I have to be honest, you get really frustrated. Do you treat her like I should have? Did I always treat her like I should have? Absolutely not. I was not as gentle and kind and all those things. Then I would just be, you know, just, it, it was just, it was really bad. But the Lord, of course, took all that from me. I would change it if I could. Oh, my stick touches me so much, but you need to understand my daughter and I are so close. She's 32 years old. I just want to give you an encouragement. Our family is so much tighter as he's brought us through that. My daughter and I have a beautiful relationship. Sometimes Al will joke and say, Oh, Lana, FaceTime me today. I think she feels bad because she only ever talks to you. So she's doing the obligatory FaceTime to me. But she thinks the world of her dad. But I'm just saying we're really tight. So here's the story. Um, I'm in this place. I'm not in a very good spot, right? I've got these kids. I'm barely managing to get through each day. Barely, okay? So then I get a phone call. We're going to a particular church in town. Remember, I'm not spiritual, and I don't, I don't know how to get out of my junk. I don't, I don't know any, any tools. And the person on the other end of the phone, she's calling from the church, you know, kind of the ministry uh, department. She's like, hey, um, we're, we're, we're going to get people to cook meals. We had a lady had a baby in the church, and you know, we're just going to do the right thing. We're going to all pull up and take meals. Can I get you signed up to do a meal? You know, she didn't catch me at the right moment. Right day. And I kind of had a meltdown. Um, and what I basically said is, I'm going to paraphrase, and keep in mind, it probably wasn't quite this harsh, but probably the gist of it was, this lady's been pregnant for nine months. You don't think she could have cooked some meals and put them in the freezer herself? I'm barely getting through my day here. If you want to cook me a, uh, a meal, go ahead. 
I really appreciate it. And you know what? They never call me again. <laughs> All right, I'm laughing about it, and it's a joke. But um, there was a lot of frustration in this because I grew up in a climate where women could do one of two things. They could do hospitality or they could do children's nursery. And that was it. And guess what? My most gift is serving. <laughs> so guess what? That wasn't really giving me any life, was it? My second lowest gift, you might have guessed, mercy compassion. <laughs> like, I need to cook your own meals to get the chance. <laughs> so obviously, I'm making it worse than it is because it's funny. But it wasn't funny. It's like, this is what I grew up with, and nothing of that brought me life. And of course, I was too caught up in my junk. I wouldn't have been able to do what I do now anyway. But when I minister like this, or when I'm doing the things I'm called to do, I might be tired at the end of the day, but it's a good time. There's a life in it. And when you're doing things only that you're not called to do, you feel drained and tired and somewhat frustrated. So I don't want to spend too long on that. I just want to point you to that article. I'll walk you through the 101, you know, motivational gifts from Romans 12. The manifestation gifts from 1 Corinthians 12, and of course the, the fivefold and equipping gifts. Some of them take more time to develop, some of them you have to be more of a body where other people can let you, you know, help guide you in those gifts. But there's always resources to find, and I just want to get you plugged into something because I'm hearing it too often in this gathering. And even Bishop last night, I think there was a show of hands. How many people know what their gift is and how many don't? I was like, all right, we need to do something about this, <laughs> right? Our job is to equip as ministers. So. All right, so that's an, enough of that. So, remember I told you the title yesterday of the message that I wanted to bring was Get Ready for the King of Glory is Riding In. So this is part two. So, picking up where we left off, you already know that we were looking for more land and that the Lord bought us bought us, brought us, he bought it too, it's his money, a beautiful ranch in the Helena area of 315 acres. So one thing I told you is that if I had a wish list, if somebody asked me, and if you presented a wish list to God, which I don't know if I did or didn't, I don't really remember, it would have had some history on it. I really wanted to have an old log structure. It does. It's actually two. One of them might be a root cellar. Do we say root cellar? We're still puzzling a little bit over with the one. Because there's actually another road seller that's a real deal that we discovered. But something that I didn't tell you is that, you know what this listing was called when we found this ranch on, you know, the email from the realtor? Stagecoach Road Ranch. There is a literal stagecoach road slicing across this property. It's a very unique property and then it has a variety of, it's got meadows and hills and mountains and, you know, it's got all the pine trees and stuff you would expect, but it has aspen and everything. So there's this one bench where it's kind of overgrown, you know, some of, there's, some of the trees have grown up on it and then there's this beautiful meadow where it, it's like you would swear this was a highway. It's so evident, it's so clear. And in the beginning, we're kind of discussing, you know, if we ever had, a, if we ever did build a new house or something, 
or where would that potential site be? And we found that meadow up there, and that could be perfect. And we walk up there, and I'm like, we are never building here. We, you know, we are, we are in agreement. There's never going to be a house up here. There's something almost sacred about this road that was hard to pin down. I've always known there was something prophetic about this, that it was not an accident. There's, there's a stagecoach road on this property. So, of course, before the railroads, that's how they, in that day, in the 1800s or whatever, that was mail, that was freight, cargo, and sometimes passengers. So it's interesting, too. We're dealing with a lot of mud over there. Um, we didn't realize that because the snow melts, the road was not in, in very good condition. We're going to have to start kind of from scratch. We have a mile long road to get to our house and to, into the ranch. And um, so she had lots of mud. Well, guess what they did in the olden days with the stagecoaches? I mean, it was a dirt trail, and you think there was mud? I bet there was. And they would make any passengers get off and help push and whatever. So I'm like, well, I don't know if the Lord's up there just saying, hey, did you want to know about some history? Let me show you. And you had a four-wheel drive pickup, because we had ruts about eight and ten inches deep at one point. We were afraid we were going to get stuck going downhill, you know, not even. So you know, I told you that we had, um, for personal and family reasons, we've uh, been looking for land because we come for a line. We come from a line of generations where inheritance has not been fair and right. Um, I shared how the Lord recovered for us, not just double but triple the amount of acreage that we would have had. And he also, I believe, switched that generational curse that we were living under of betrayal and, you know, that injustice, that spirit of injustice, all that, so that now our family will be blessed and we've, we've changed that finding, although we have actually moved. So we have had a number of prophets prophesy to us that we would provide a place of refuge at some point. So you know, your word about Montana really got my attention. I think I nudged Shelly and said, he stole my word. <laughs> now we only had 16 acres before. And um, it's interesting that at one point, James Gall even prophesied to us. First he was prophesying about the state of Montana. But he is one of those who has prophesied to us, and there are many others, that Montana at some point would be a place of refuge. And to us personally, he said, at some point, you will be even hiding Jews. And we're like, whoa, you know, who wants to hear that? Like, how could that ever happen? But I look around at that 16 acres, and I'm like, it's not going to be here. It's just not going to be here, right? Uh, so that was another motivation, actually. And we, we know the Lord has something in mind. It's not about us. It is and it isn't, right? It should be, we hope, the way it is with all of us, you know? Um, so I really paid attention to part of the ACPE Word of the Year. The Apostolic Prophetic Council always puts out a, a word, and they said in there that, okay, I'm going to read it a little bit so I don't get it wrong. They said the Lord would be creating Goshen's and that he would even be physically moving some people to different areas and locations so that they could, they could create not only places of refuge, but even territories that would be places of refuge. I was like, wow, maybe you were some of those, right? So as I said, I've heard many prophetic voices speak of this. But even beyond the 
the scope of recovery of land for us personally and for future generations, even beyond the scope of using the land potentially as a place of refuge. And we keep discovering things like public cellars, and I mean, it's just it's just a fabulous place that could potentially work for that. Um, I still have kept feeling, even though I can't quite grasp it, remember we talked about the film that takes some time to develop, that there's some bigger prophetic picture going on here that God is trying to paint that I can't comprehend, but it feels like as time is going on, I'm getting a little bit more of that picture. So that's what I want to talk about today as far as relocating us to this particular area and this particular land at this particular time, okay? So um, let me just begin by saying that as a prophet or a prophetic voice over the years as I've had the, the privilege to be, I've brought forth a lot of words, whether in the form of articles or I have a podcast now, so whether it's podcast episodes or if it's videos, whatever it is, there always seems to be a moment where the Lord has me walk it out a little bit first. I don't know if that's true for everybody. But sometimes that takes longer, you know, to walk that through. But I was encouraged one time when James Gall reached out to me and said something to me personally. He said, this allows me to break, to, to become the word is actually what happens. You absorb it, you live it, you become it. So then, remember when when John ate the words, or or when it was Ezekiel who ate? It's like you you have it in you now. It has a, a certain authority, a level that it wouldn't have had if you just went off the cuff. But this is what I really want to say. So all that to say, it was encouraging to me that sometimes you feel like. You don't understand why you're walking through things and why you don't understand things. But I think as you live it, the Lord uses that to bring additional levels of revelation. So I'm going to encourage anybody who has that same thing in their life. So what I'm trying to convey to you is don't get the idea that I'm telling you this story and giving you uh, this message today that I think that don't get the idea that I think this move is only about me, my husband, and my family, because I don't think it is. I'm just going to be honest. I think that it's even more than just for the state of Montana. And I think we're getting confirmation, so it helps me feel comfortable to reach out and say this. I think there is a much broader application for other kingdom-minded people besides ourselves and others that the state of Montana, and our particular region even, is meant to be a place of not just physically or in the practical baby aspect that you can say, but as a spiritual place of refuge as well. Alright, so that means there might be some dark times ahead, right? Oh, I think that there probably will be, so I'm, I'm betting that you agree. So, let me just illustrate that a little bit further. I'm going to tell a part of your story that you told one time. Gail and Shelley, of course, are good friends of ours, and in 2016, Gail brought forth the word about the number six, how it was a vav, and it had a meaning of connection between heaven and earth, referenced as it was in Genesis 1-1, correct? When God vav, the heavens and earth, and connected them together. And he said, one type of that connecting is like a lightning bolt, right? So as he told it, if I get it correctly, and if I don't, you can, you can <laughs> turn the story around. 
Then very next week, in 2016 this was, a massive lightning bolt hit their home. And he said it was described by the fire department and the electrical contractors as the strongest that they had ever seen. So basically anything that was plugged in, any electronic device, it's gone, it's toast. So it ended up that the insurance company replaced everything for you, right? So they ended up a bit off better than before. That's amazing. Wow. 70,000. Incredible. So uh, he took this, as I looked back at your article to get this correct. He took this as an amazing prophetic sign that the Lord was verifying his timetable that God was upholding his promises to connect our destinies with him that year, with the lightning bolt. So it was a representation, a prophetic sign. It was used to prophetically illustrate that message of what God was doing in the larger picture. So what I'm trying to get you to, to do is to understand what I'm saying here. The lightning bolt was not about Gail and Shelley. It's God's like, okay, I'm doing something in the earth, and I'm gonna pick a prophetic person, and I'm gonna give you a shadow and a type. And even if you're a little confused, and it's a bit inconvenient to have your house struck by lightning. In the bigger picture, you know, that's something he just did, I guess. <laughs> so, and again, I shared briefly that the Lord gave me a message about a year and a half ago that everything that we were losing in that season that I told you about was going to be replaced with something better than before. And so again, there's something about that that he wanted us to walk it out and have it be an illustration in our lives so that when we brought that prophetic message and told you that everything was going to be replaced better than before, we can back it up with a testimony. There's some kind of bigger prophetic picture, right? So I think you get the point of what I'm saying. So that's what I wanted to tell you before I get into the broader application so that we understand I'm not talking about Alan and I when I'm talking about this stuff, okay? I'm thinking that there's a bigger plan and picture than that. So I think I had mentioned this, that I thought we'd be at that property and in that house. I think I said something at one point about I'm going to be carried out in a pine box. Right. But the problem was that wasn't what God had in mind. So again, as with Joseph, it took a lot of years to get into that place. So I think I want to encourage you, and I did that at some point level and level yesterday, but I want it to sink in. Those hard things in your life that have been going on, I think this is a lot more people than just me, that you have not understood, and you have not understood, and you have not understood. It's like me having to come to the realization where I'm scratching my head, I don't think it's the land I thought it was, you know? So it's not that God isn't fulfilling his plans for you. It's just that your idea of his plan and his idea of his plan have to come together. And in the process, he has to do a work in you. And I know what Bishop's going to be talking about tonight because I've heard and I, I, I know his material. There's this thing that has to happen to bring you into the image of his son as well at the same time. So everything's for a purpose, but it's not fun. And it's usually not anywhere close to easy, okay? So just be encouraged, because um, we're gonna we're gonna see as much of the picture as we will allow. But I think we are in a season of fulfillment, so you're gonna begin to see 
some of the things that you have always wondered about becoming clearer. It's going to develop for you. Okay. So I need to share a little bit of background, and some of this might be review for some of you that follow me, whether it's in articles or on the podcast episodes. Um, I believe that Montana is a representation, a prophetic representation of the mountain of the Lord. All right, so there you go, the hill of the Lord. Oh, funny story. So we took uh, Kingsley and Vance and Debbie up on a drive up the, through the, we wanted to show them the missions and just the overlook of Flathead Lake. We didn't have a lot of time, but at least show them that much beauty of Montana. So we were coming up at Jocko area and um, where the Jocko River is past our lady and, and the pants looked out the window, I think it was him, and he said, oh, look at those mountains. And Al laughs and says, those are hills. And I'll show you a mountain in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, come back up, up by that bike's marine. Come pop up that hill and like, ah, oh, there's the mission. Now that's the mountain. <laughs> there's hills and then there's mountains. So you all know where that reference comes from, right? It's Isaiah 2 and Micah 4. They're parallel passages. And where, when we're talking about the mountain of the Lord, we're in the context of the seven mountains, which Gail already referenced. If you're not familiar with it, you can go search my, I've done teachings on it. Um, it's the seven areas of influence in our society. And so what we read is, of course, that the mountain of the Lord shall be established on top of the mountains and all nations shall flow to it. So Montana, of course, if you're from here, you already know this, it comes from the Spanish word for mountains. And it has roots in the Latin from the adjective mountainous. So that's kind of interesting, right? John Hamill is the first one who prophesied to my husband and I that Montana was a prophetic representation of the mountain of the Lord out of Isaiah 2. And since then, we've had many confirmations of that. Um, he also prophesied at the same time to us. This is going to be 2016, and I say that when he did his glory training tour. We had a meeting up with him in Whitefish, and a lot of powerful things happened in that meeting and out of that. So he had just gotten a serious look on his face, and he looked at us, and he said, you know, your capital city of Helena is not supposed to be named Helena. And the Lord wants you to pray about it, and you need to rename it. You're like, okay, we trust him. We trust John to bring the word of the Lord. He's, he's proven that to us. So we prayed for a couple of months about it, and the word just came. Oh, it's supposed to be Zion. So what are we going to do? We hop in the truck, whatever truck we had then. I'm sure it was Reap, right? <laughs> uh, the Reaper truck. So we head over to Helena and we rename it Zion. And actually, when we told John this story, he got all super excited. I mean, like very animated. He's like, oh my gosh, that's what David did. In 2 Samuel 5, he renamed the capital city to the city of David, which after that was Zion, right? Yeah. So anyway, it's a God story. And sometimes you wonder what the heck you're doing, going around renaming but you try to be obedient, right? The next part has emerged over the last several months when it dawned on me that we were moving to the gates of the mountains. The gates of the mountains, as you probably know, if you're from here, were so named by Lewis and Clark. So if you're not familiar with this landmark, the gates of the mountains is located 20 miles north of Helena, 
1805, the Lewis and Clark expedition was toiling to move upstream on the Missouri River. And apparently there were rock embankments that prevented them from towing the boats from shore as they might have. The channel was too deep to pull the boat, and so they were rowing. And suddenly, towering above them were 1,200-foot limestone cliffs. And they're like, wow, okay. And what, it, what had happened was it looked like those cliffs were going to prevent them from entering through that river into the heart of the mountains. But it was like they described it as they would get close, and then it was like as if these cliffs were gentle giants and they would open and they could get through. And then they'd come around another bend and like, oh, we're never going to get through there. And they would open up enough and they could get through. And so Meriwether Lewis wrote in his journal, I shall call this place Gates of the Mountains. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But then it wasn't long after that I was reading Isaiah 2 with the background instead of the story I'm building for you here. That Montana is a prophetic representation of the mountain of the Lord, that Helena has now been renamed Zion, and that Helena region also contains the gates of the mountains. So let's read that for a minute. Verse 2 to 4. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he will judge between the nations, rebuke many people, beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, nor shall they war, learn to war anymore. All I'm going to say is, I don't understand this, but at every turn, I'm seeing some interesting confirmations of how it looks like there's a bigger picture, right? So I'm not going to lie, there's been some real challenges with this move. Um, I'm going to give you one short example that, I mean, we, we all, especially if you're ministry, but if you're walking with the Lord, you've got to be in ministry. Everybody has a ministry. This is the job place anywhere in the Southern Mountains, but we felt like there was so much intense opposition that people were not covering us in prayer. We would, never, we would not even be alive. And one example of that is, so we're making trips. Of course, the moving trucks did the big move with the furniture and stuff. That was like a two-day thing about March 15th, 16th. But we've got new hauls and trailer fulls of stuff. I mean, we had a massive, complex thing going on here. So there had been a trip over, and I know you had a U-Haul at least. And I think I was behind you with something. And we made that trip over and down the Continental Divide and we made it back. And we had to go back to do some stuff in Missoula and we had a meeting, I think it was at a title company because we had some other transactions happening. So I talked to him and I remember how or where, but we're like, okay, I'll see you. We each got our own trucks, got our own stuff to do. Um, in 10 or 15 minutes, we're gonna meet at this title company. And I get there and he's not there and he's not there. So I'm starting to get a little bit worried because this guy's always punctual or early. And uh, so I give him a call and I'm like, oh, what's, is anything wrong? He's like, I'm waiting for a tow truck. I said, what? He said, my brakes went out. He said, I went to put my brakes on and there was nothing there. And he said, it so happened that I was, you know, y'all gonna know where this is if you're from Missoula. I was um, on 
Broadway, kind of where the old Liberty Lanes was, and I was going to turn south on Russell, and somewhere in there, I was only going about 15 or 20, I don't have any brakes, I had to kind of glide over and hit the curb to stop. And I don't know what's wrong, I'm going to have to have a tow and figure it out. The concept, come to find out, they had the truck service, then they hadn't done what? They hadn't finished something. And the trip before, he was pulling you all down the path. And if he lost his brakes, that's just one example. I'll tell you what, there have been plenty of things that, you know, you're just like, thankful for the intercessors. Thankful for the intercessors. So anyway, I think I mentioned March 15th and 16th was this big uh, moving truck operation, and uh, it was intense to say the least. And I think that we've been trying to connect with Kingsley to buy his airline ticket. And I mean, in the, in the transition, we had about two weeks where we had no internet because we had to move our starting dish. The old house and the new house, neither one has like a weak one bar. I think that branch has no bars. And we couldn't get cell service in either place without Starlink. I mean, internet of any, you know, significance, any speed. But we had to do this re remodel painting. I mean, we just, we didn't have internet anywhere for like two weeks. And so he would try, <laughs> or so, we would try to, Make this happen, and finally he texted me that morning. He was like, "We agreed he would buy his ticket. We'd work it out later." And in the process, he brought a word to us. That morning, he said, "This is a defining day for your family and for the state of Montana. You are heading into the gates to fling them wide open, so that the King of Glory can come." So you can see the direct reference there to Psalm 24, which in part reads, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, for the King of glory is coming. The King of glory, who is he? The Lord strong, mighty in battle. Oh, that's funny. We're the army of the Lord. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So let me bring a word especially for Montana, okay? The Lord is releasing a new level of his glory in this state, which will manifest as a brand new level of signs, wonders, and displays of his glory. And a new level of destiny will begin to manifest as we see more and more people being strategically positioned to be able to serve both physically and spiritually as places of refuge in the future. All right? So your place, your strategy, your place of refuge will look different than mine. Maybe mine's a ranch. Maybe yours is a church building and campus. Maybe yours is a, a house where you've stocked up on water and food so that you can share it and you have a strong faith that you're willing to impart. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I will insert just one small thing. I don't want to, I want to make sure I keep my time contained. But in March, about two years ago, the Lord gave me a three-series podcast. I'll probably put it in an article format. I've never had such strong, clear, and detailed direction in my life. It was about being physically prepared for hard times. So let me just challenge you 
I don't care. Like, you've seen our pantry now. We dedicated a whole bedroom in this ranch house. It's a pantry. And then we have, we're going to have a secondary pantry out in the shop basement area where the pickles go. <laughs> I mean, I take this seriously. Very seriously. But if you don't have room for a big pantry, let me challenge you to at least get some extra water. I don't care if you have an apartment or whatever it is. Ask the Lord, what can I do to be better prepared for not only myself, but if you're, if you're scrambling around trying to put food on your table, find clean water for your, you and your family, how are you going to take care of anybody else? Okay? So it's one thing to say, oh, the Lord will take care of us, but it's another thing to be equipped and ready to, to do a spiritual and the physical. We need to pay attention to that. So I want to talk about one last thing as we close that the Lord has recently highlighted for me. I'm going to say in the last two weeks. And this comes from Isaiah 35. So you already heard me say that there's an old stagecoach road running through the property. I have never thought this is an accident. I've always thought that there is a prophetic significance. And as I said, I always felt like there was a little bit of a sacredness about that road up there. So let's read Isaiah 35. It's about the future glory of Zion. The wilderness and wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as it rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the deaf sing. The waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty springs of water. So one little inserted story here is that, you know, the Lord has an affinity for land. You know he does. We're even created from dirt. Yeah, come on. Right? <laughs> He prepared for the Israelites a promised land. Land is important. My husband used, likes to say, you know that song, by dirt? God's not making any more of it. By dirt. <laughs> so we quote that to ourselves sometimes. We bought you, bought dirt. But here's the thing. All creation is growing, right? For the revelations of the yeah. sons of God. Why is creation growing? Growing because sin happened. And weeds happened. And all this, like, we're finding so many things on this ranch is in disrepair. There's too many weeds. The trees need thinning and slashing. Um, the fences need fixing. Do you not think that that land is growing? Do you understand what I'm saying? So an interesting story uh, from our other property, the 16 acres, when we first moved there, we had seasonal creek in front of the house. Guess what? After a number of years and we're spirit-filled, it runs year-round. I don't even know how many years it's been running. You know, because often the ground is where it comes up from. The ground knows you your kingdom, right? It's like, oh, I should bring my water up here. It, it's groaning. It's looking for you. It's waiting for the sons and daughters. Do you get that? Yeah. So when we first moved there, the ticks were so bad, the wood ticks. We had grazing land around for cattle. The first year cattle died on that property from ticks. Now, then we began to search for the ones that were sick, and some of them got saved and, you know, didn't die. But by the time we left, you almost didn't have these ticks anymore. They were certainly not, you know, infested like they were. And I, I contribute that to God's glory 
and came to a presence in the land, that man responded. Okay, so I just want to encourage you with that. Okay, so verse 8. A highway shall be there and a rope, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall be there. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion of Sea. With everlasting joy on their heads, they shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sign shall flee away. So I was recently on a prayer call organized by Clay Nash, representing the state of Montana, and Auntie Gloria Zion had kind of been the coordinator. She prophesied something over me. She said, interestingly enough, there will be a new governmental anointing released upon us. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> a new mantle coming that we would begin to make decrees, that we would stand in the gate and say, this comes in and this goes out. Right? Amen. But I want to say something to you. I don't think this is about us. Just what if God was looking for somebody to create a shadow and a type and a picture? And, and he's wanting to do it with physical locations, actual landmarks. Why don't I just throw a road up there? You know, like, you, you can't make this stuff up. What, what I'm going to think is humbling to stand here and say, I wonder if God is using my husband and I as a touch point to illustrate, to live, to become the word so that we can in some way give a little glimmer of what God is beginning to move and do in the earth. It's a tiny thing, right? He's like, okay, now we're shifting. Now we're transitioning. And we're going to start moving into something. So basically he's saying, get ready. Pay attention. I know the picture's not fully developed, but you need to be on the edge of your chair, okay? So I'm going to close with a decree, okay? Ready? Let's stand up. We all need to get a little circulation going anyway. I decree to you, get ready, for the gates of the mountains have been flung wide open, and the King of Glory is riding into our great state of Montana. And as he rides, he will begin to display his glory at a new level through his people, that's you, in the forms of increased signs, wonders, and displays of supernatural glory. This same wave of glory will increase and spread to their surrounding states, regions, the nation, and the nations. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our show and also please rate and review it on iTunes because your positive review helps us reach more people with our message. And please visit our website at www.starfireministries.org. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter there and you can also donate 
read our latest articles, and keep up to date with all of our social media sites there. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.